Hello, welcome to the Dear Writer podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. We're two aspiring collaborative authors sharing our writing journey with you. The ups, the downs, and everything in between. Whether you're just starting out or a more experienced writer, we hope that you'll find this podcast inspiring and thought-provoking. And here's the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to Dear Writer and hello to all the new listeners that we might have. Welcome back to any listeners who are stuck in with us for our writing journey. Today we are doing something a little bit different. It's going to be a part of a three-episode series, but we're going to talk about our publishing journey. Mm-hmm. We are going to start with our attempts to be traditionally published, and then over the next sort of main episode slot, we will then talk about self-publishing, and then finally a bit closer to our book being released. We don't have a release date yet, so don't get too excited, but a bit closer to that, we are also going to be having a promotional episode, just talking about our book and revealing some exciting stuff from it for you guys. So yeah, I hope you enjoy this kind of mini-series we're doing within our (laughs) mini-series. A series within a series. I like it. (laughs) So I'm really, I am quite looking forward to this little series. I think it's going to be good and hopefully people will be able to learn some things from us. I hope. It's been a long time in coming. It has been. It really has been. And hopefully some of you understand why it's taken us so long as well to get to this point once we go through everything that we've been attempting. And in speaking of our publishing journey, we have some exciting news to share. We have now incorporated Linderson Creations, so we are now a company, which is very exciting. Yes. Which is partly why we've been so busy the last few weeks. Yes. (laughs) It's a lot of effort trying to set up a company with two people who live in different countries. It does. It does. And I think we will probably come to some of the difficulties that we've had with that Um, when we talk about the self-publishing in the next one. Definitely. But for now, we are talking about our traditional publishing journey. And before we get into that, we will give you guys an update on what we've been up to writing-wise, as usual, the last month. So Ashley, how has your writing been going? It's been, I've just been struggling to find time. Well, yes, as I said, with the whole company making our company that's taken up quite a bit of my time but also with work it's grant season and this time it's been an actual nightmare oh no (laughs) we were writing two grants at the same time that were due within three days of each other so I pretty much spent almost three weeks entirely just grant writing and doing nothing else so it was like nine hours every day just reading hundreds of articles writing the grant getting corrections reading more articles writing more of the grants and then being very um kind of become zombie-like at the end of the day after doing all that so I've been struggling a bit because of that however I have managed to get some stuff done I finished the chapter I was working on last time that I mentioned on the podcast and I'm I wrote in the show notes I'm two-thirds of the way through the next one I'm actually 3,000 words through the next one so pretty close to the end so that's good I had quite a productive day yesterday working on the book which was a relief I think it's been a long time coming and then I also we have been preparing a short story 
kind of prequel thing for When the Rain Falls. So I edited slash rewrote some of that short story, which then was kind of, it was good. I enjoyed that. But then it took me a little, took me a minute to get back into the ancient Greece mindset again <laughs> yeah. after jumping into the teen fiction world again. So that kind of slowed me down a little bit. But other than that, I think all in all, I've done okay. <laughs> what about you, Sarah? So I think last time I was just finishing off my last chapter. Um, we're close to finishing it. And so I finished that, started a new chapter, and I'm kind of at a similar point. So I guess I must be writing about one chapter every four weeks. I'm about 2,000 words through my next chapter. I wrote in my blog post that I have been struggling a little bit going back and forth between the viewpoints because one is in the present and the other is in the past. But it is also a matter of time. <laughs> like when I sit down I do manage to do some it, it takes me a little bit to kind of get used to it but it's all, yeah like Ashley said you know when you have something that's so starkly different it can take a minute for your head to get back in the headspace of that yeah but then yeah just work has been very busy for me as well so operating room nursing especially where I work um, you honestly don't get a single minute to sit down or look at your phone or anything so if anyone instagrams me during work time I'm sorry I cannot reply <laughs> at all but yeah I'm um, also I've been doing a lot of overtime because that our workplace has been short of staff so yeah it's been a challenge this last week. <laughs> Sounds very busy. But yeah, it's going and, you know, it's just trying to fit everything in with the podcast and the business and mm -hmm. the writing <laughs> and the blog. <laughs> I like to take on challenges, clearly, but yeah. Yep. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. It takes time to get used to it and, I don't know, we're both really busy, so we both definitely understand yes. that, you know gonna take time and that that's fine mm. yeah exactly anyways we should move on to the topic of this podcast traditional publishing yes <laughs> I thought I would just put a disclaimer this is just our opinion and also our experiences so everyone has their own opinion and everyone also has different experiences so um, hopefully we don't offend anyone <laughs> with what we're going to say and we are going to talk about self-publishing in the next episode so yes we will get to it don't worry another thing I will say you know talking about everyone's own opinion and own experiences this should be an interesting episode because I'm not sure that Ashley and I agree 100% on everything relating to the traditional publishing not not so much like our decisions like I think mm -hmm. we made valid decisions but it, you know like our reasons for doing it and things are not necessarily the same so it should make for a very interesting podcast <laughs> yeah all right so take it with a grain of salt you know it's, yeah for sure it's all our own experience Exactly. And we're going to try and be as open as we possibly can with you, even though it's a little bit of a, it's not a successful journey, I'm going to say. <laughs> <But> <laughs> nope. So, so hopefully this will make other people who've also gone through what we've gone through, you know, we can be, all be in this together, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So on the topic of traditional publishing, I thought the best place to start would be talking about why some people generally speaking, uh, might choose to pursue a route of traditional publishing. 
and I think I'll clarify, you don't choose to traditionally publish, you choose to pursue the opportunity to do so. So this is all about us trying to pursue the opportunity to be traditionally published. So do you want to start, Sarah, or me start? Sure, I can start. So all right. Yeah, I think there's several things. There is an appeal in letting someone else do the work of publishing the book for you, especially at no cost. And, you know, you're not having to outlay costs for editing. You're not having to outlay costs for the book cover. You know, like I I think, yes, some people would argue that you don't have to spend sort of barely anything to publish your book. But I think if you want to do a decent job of it and you want to make the most out of your book you do have to spend something however little (laughs) that is and for some people that little something can seem like a big something you know like some people find it really hard to even find the tiniest bit extra in their budget and and to you know allow themselves to do it because often writing is viewed as a hobby. I think especially if you're, you know, you're a beginner writer, you've got a job, you've got a family to look after, to allow yourself to spend that extra money on what you view as your hobby at the time, and which is not giving you currently any cash or any inflow, it's really hard to do that. So some people choose to do traditional publishing because they don't have to outlay anything or to pursue traditional publishing because of that. And I think that's a fine, you know, a reasonable choice for those people, even if it may not necessarily make you as much money as self-publishing arguably could. Yeah. Second, validation is a big thing. And although we would like to think we don't need anyone to tell us our books is great, it is a great way of measuring your skills as a writer. Um, If an agent accepts it, considering the vast majority never get that far, it's a pretty good indication that you're doing some great work. (laughs) Yes. Regardless of what anyone else might think, you know, if you do actually manage to make the bar, you're doing well, (laughs) right? Agreed. Definitely agreed. I'd like to think that, you know, you don't really need self-validation, but it does, I don't know, it does help, I guess. It's hard because it's one of those things that it's like, you know, you'd like to think that your writing is good enough and that you think enough of yourself not to need it, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it does provide you with the type of feedback, which is rare as a writer, which is why I think it also can look quite attractive to pursue traditional publishing. And I don't think it's right or wrong. Like some people think, you know, going after it because of self-validation is definitely the wrong choice. And others think, well, you know, I should be recognized for what I do. So that's... (laughs) It's kind of, yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that and let you make up your own mind. But yeah, there are a couple other reasons. One is is that it's a way to have a shot of having your book made into a movie, however small. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that angle. Yeah, well, generally speaking, it's pretty tricky as an indie author to have that happen unless your book like blows up massively. Mm -hmm. It's basically not going to happen as an indie author so like a lot of the film companies if they are making a movie from a book they will get their deals through the traditional publishers so that is also a reason why some people choose to go that way and 
Although the majority of traditionally published books, especially for first-time authors, are given a pretty meager advance, there are always a few that attract a six-figure advance or even more I've heard of. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just want to be in it to win it. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that, I don't think either. So, you know, chasing the lottery, that's another reason. I did want to touch on one just quickly, and I know Ashley's going to probably talk about this too. I think we have different viewpoints on this one though, um, is marketing. <laughs> so some people go into it thinking that traditional publishing will take the job of marketing off their hands. And I think you have to, like, I they do a little bit, certainly, like to get it up and running, like that first kind of release and stuff like that. But if you're if you think that they're going to do all the marketing for you, think again. <laughs> or at least that's what I've heard. Like I've listened to a lot of different podcasts, a lot of different authors, traditionally published authors who say that is not the case and they have to do a lot of their own marketing. So if that is a reason that you're looking to tra- traditionally publish, I would advise that you think about it in terms of what are your other reasons for traditionally publishing and maybe like can if that's one of your main reasons then maybe you're still better suited to self-publishing just because you do still have to do a lot of work but anyways how about what would you have to say on this topic of why people choose to go traditional Ashley? I think one of the I would say one of the I don't know what this is the main reason but I feel there is something to do with the prestige of it like you said maybe not necessarily yes validation but also like it's the way it has been done you know so there's something about having your book published the way lots of other really famous authors that you look up to have had their books published mm-hmm. and like being accepted into that world by the powers that be in the publishing industry yeah and people might not agree with it or might not like to hear it but I think that is definitely a factor definitely to you know be one of those people who you know what you're good enough to like join the club if that makes any sense <laughs> <laughs> and you're like yes I am or, uh, I didn't quite make it this time try again And I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. Like if it's an option, why not pursue it as an option, right? Like if that's something that you're interested in, that's something you want to do, like go for it. I also, I think one of the main benefits, at least from what I can tell, is probably distribution and like getting it into stores in the first place, like actual Um. stores. Because for here in New Zealand, the chances of getting them in an actual store would be fairly non-existent unless I was like forced it on them. Yeah, I think it depends on where you are in the world for one. So (laughs) Ashley's probably right in saying in New Zealand, that is one of the major ways that the bookstores stock their shelves. But I would say that definitely other parts of the world that's changing hugely, especially with the COVID pandemic. You can get your books into the stores through Ingram Spark. However, you do have to do marketing in order to be able to push that. So you're probably right in terms of like physical stores, but then also the clientele and the amount of people who purchase books from physical stores is also changing. So a lot more bookstores and independently owned ones, especially also going closed. So although I think that's a good reason, I would probably consider the future of what that's going to look like too. (laughs) Weirdly here, 
our bookstores have like had this weird resurgence after COVID. Interesting. Suddenly, yeah, suddenly books, like books are advertised on the backs of buses. Whitcalls is regularly out of stock of physical copies of books. It's bizarre. That is, that is bizarre. I don't know why, but I maybe it's like people missed having a physical copy or something when they had to. Get, well, I, I guess know. there's probably uh, two things in terms of New Zealand is that one we don't have Amazon. No, because that New Zealand's like quite isolated and it tends to be a little bit behind the rest of the world in terms of like you know yeah you, we don't have Amazon in New Zealand, so you can't really purchase physical books that way and so the for the people who really like a book in their hand during COVID it was probably really hard to get a book like physically in your hand it was considering there's no Amazon there's no takes like three months if you buy something from book depository to ship here yeah and then yeah and then you can't go to work course you can't go to library what are you gonna do exactly so anyway, so it's been a weird trend I've noticed recently. So yeah, everyone um, was probably like let loose and then like, oh, yeah. I'm going to go shopping. Great <laughs> calls. We also don't have a lot of independent bookstores either. So yeah, there are a few. There's a couple in like. But anyways, yes, I was saying distribution Sorry. into stores. <laughs> totally interrupted. No, that's fine. It's totally fine. Distribution into stores. But I always put this like into like context for me. I'm like, how would I ever see our book in a store through self-publishing? And like, if I'm in New Zealand, the chances are very slim. Well, I have an idea for that, but we'll probably visit that down the road. Yeah. And then like Sarah, (laughs) cost, I think is a big thing, a massive thing, because as even like with us, as we'll talk about in the (laughs) self-publishing episode, depending on how good of a job you want to do, like it can cost a fair, like a decent amount a real a decent amount of money and if you don't have that that's you know something that you have to make as a decision for yourself about which option you want to pursue mm-hmm. oh and then like the editing costs and things and the formatting which takes as Sarah knows takes time and the editing yeah um, luckily my sister's an, an editor so she's doing that for us but otherwise that's also a really large cost to have it professionally edited as well and yeah. like, you want to make sure your books are the highest quality and at least through a, I would hope, through a traditional publisher that should be, you know, at a really, really decent quality for publication after they've been through it. Yeah, this is true. You know, you are getting highly professional editors, cover designers, and which can be hard to judge sometimes, you know, like when you're doing it yourself, trying to select an editor and a cover designer can be quite overwhelming and quite difficult to try and work out who's really good and who's not good. Yeah. So that could be a factor as well. Definitely. And then I think with marketing, it's, I think of like, you know, those big, I don't know if it's call it a blockbuster book, but we're going to call it that for lack of a better word at the moment. I just think of, you know, the massive posters I see literally on the back of buses here and ads everywhere. And I'm like, well, that's not a channel of marketing at least for now that we could pursue through self-publishing at the moment, like that kind of big scale kind of stuff. But obviously you'd have to, you have to do some marketing on your own, but sort of big, large scale marketing campaigns are something that would be difficult to finance for a, someone attempting to self-publish. And also like, I know that traditional publishers have more contacts. Let's go with that, which enable them to get your books more places if they put their mind to it 
um, but whether or not they do or not. And but then it comes down to, I guess, if your books, how good they think it's going to do, right? Yes. This is the thing is that you have to understand. A lot of people don't understand. I was listening to a podcast. It was the Story Group podcast. Again, you know, one of my favorite ones that I listened to where Sean Coyne, the editor, was talking about the way books are marketed is that the publishing company will sit down and they'll be like, okay, you know, they've got their main kind of runners, like those really top, I don't know, like James Patterson or whatever, who they're going to use like, you know, a huge portion of their marketing budget to market his books and push those books forward because they know that those books are going to do well. And so the amount that they distribute for marketing for those first time authors is very small so when you're going into it even with traditional publishing it's quite hard to find a foot in the marketplace because that you're already sort of working on that small that really small scale compared to these big authors and that's why the advance kind of matters in some ways because if you're given like a five thousand dollar advance they're not gonna put forward like a heap of money to marketing that book they basically just want to earn out and then anything after that's a bonus for the publishing company, right? Um, if they put out like, a, you know, a million dollar advance for like a really big author, they've got to earn all that money back. So it makes sense to put that money into marketing because they're like, you know, we've got to make sure that this does well because otherwise we're screwed. We're not going to earn that money back ever if it falls on its face. Yeah. So in terms of that, like the advance really matters for traditional publishing. But there are, you know, there are other reasons and personal reasons, which I will get into mm-hmm. as well for why you would pursue traditional publishing. I think I might just add one more thing, which I just yeah, thought for of. Sure. <laughs> I think another thing that would be very beneficial is the amount of expertise that you would be surrounded by mm, yeah. in that industry. I, I agree with that, definitely. I think that would be of huge benefit whether or not your book does well or not the feedback just like the glimpse into how it all works like everything like that would also be incredibly beneficial I think and you know I think traditional publishing is almost an entirely different game and yes there's lots of great people out there who have expertise in that area but the expertise that you could get from these big publishing companies would be invaluable I think from that respect at least yeah I think so too like having someone edit your book and then like point out all these Mm -hmm. things that you know are going on that you could maybe do a bit better yeah would be quite useful (laughs) and I assume that they write your synopsis and blurb and everything for you I would assume yeah which would also be quite beneficial as well I think yeah I think some people would see that as negative some people would see it as positive it depends on how much you like to have control over that kind of aspect of it I guess yeah for me it would be a learning thing you know like you're like oh yes like this is how they like it yeah (laughs) sort of the process that they go through like that I'd find that very interesting well that's how I learn best anyways yeah by examples right so or people showing me how to do stuff which would be Mm -hmm. quite useful should we move on to (laughs) we should go on forever um should we move on to why we personally um chose to pursue traditional publishing yep so I'm fairly business orientated with my goals I don't really care how my books are published to be fair (laughs) as long as they're done professionally and in a way that maximizes profit like 
it sounds, <laughs> I know some people have a bit of a funny thing about money. Like they more want to see the book published and they want the revenue coming in. But for me, um, my father is an accountant. I think there's no shame in <laughs> getting paid for what you do, you know, like you've put a lot of effort into this, you know, why not maximize it and make it the best it can be? You're outputting a product into the world. And so you need to be proud of that product and you need to stand behind it and help it to do its best and give you the best return so that in turn, you can then make another product that is just as great, right? So anyways, I quite like the idea of eventually becoming a hybrid author and getting the best of both worlds. I think properly done, being an indie author probably earns you more, uh, more money per book than traditional publishing does in the long run. But there is no denying that only comes, like we've said, with a lot of hard invested time and money, and sometimes both of those can be scarce. Um, so my thoughts were, and still are, that if I could get a traditional deal, I figure it can at least help to build a base to start from, um, especially for someone who is as introverted as I am. <laughs> we, I can see both methods working together. Um, the traditional method providing with more prestige and hopefully attaining a small audience. And by prestige, it's important to recognize that it's not just prestige for the authors, right? It's it's validation from the readers too sometimes. I mean, I think it would be pretty harsh. I've heard some indie authors complain about this, about how some readers only value traditional publishing and don't want to read indie books ever. And I think that's a pretty harsh way to look at it. But the reality is that there are people out there and that exists. And I want to reach as many people possible. And so sometimes that prestige can help. It can help you get into schools and things. It can help you like, you know, set up marketing stuff of your own, whereas, you know, if you're an indie author, it could be harder to secure those types of um, events. So I think if you at least had like one traditionally published, it would help provide you with that prestige so that even if you go on to publish in indie sort of circles, that you could kind of get the best of both and then hopefully reach more people. So that's my main reasons for doing it. And then kind of also what Ashley said about the experience of it and the amount of people that you're surrounded by, because doing it by yourself, it's great. And I think, you know, there's a lot to be said for it, but it is quite a solitary journey. And I think if you have the opportunity to have the experience of being traditionally published, regardless of how much the book earns, regardless of all the rest of it, it's an experience. And I think you can learn a lot from it. So those are kind of my personal reasons. And so people always say that you should surround yourself with people who know more than you, right? To like help yourself grow. And I feel like it's a great opportunity to do that if you get the chance. Yeah. How about you, Ashley? For me, it's a little bit similar, but different. Ever since we first wrote When the Rain Falls as teenagers, it has been a goal of mine to get it. Well, originally back then it was to get it published full stop, but back then traditional publishing was how you got it published, if that makes any sense. Yes. Yeah. So we're talking the early 2000s. So there wasn't, there literally wasn't another option unless you paid someone to print it and then you physically took the books to stores. 
Yeah. And being teenagers, we had like zero money. So. Exactly. So back then, that was, you know, what I wanted to get it published. And that was the way to do so. So fast forward to now, my mindset hasn't really changed. And I guess I've semi, not fixated, but it's still that goal still remains. Um, and because it was always to have it traditionally published, I'm not usually someone that likes to compromise on my goals too much. So it still remained to have it traditionally, something traditionally published that way. Let's go with that. I've changed. It doesn't have to be when the rain falls anymore, just something traditionally published. I think it would be, I don't know. I like the thought of the whole experience that goes with it. And for me with getting one traditionally published, I'm less concerned about making money through that way. I'm well aware of, you know, I'm realistic about what authors make from these sorts of things, but there's, you know, always that hope in you, right? That maybe you've created the next bestseller somehow and people discover you. It's a chance at least that you get with traditional publishing. Not that you can't have it with self-publishing either, but hey, it's just one of those things, a goal for me. And it's okay. I can wait and see what happens in the future, I guess. I guess adding to reasons, like, you know, there are different awards that you can get as well if you're traditionally published versus indie published. Yeah. You know, there are still awards out there for indie authors, but, you know, like you're probably not as likely to make it onto like the New York Times bestseller list, for example. And it's kind of like, I don't know if this is a real thing, but it kind of feels like there's, I don't know, like it's like two worlds and they don't cross. Does that make any sense? And if you don't get into the other world, then like you can't access it. Does it make any sense? And I feel like I don't want to close myself off from the chance of making it in the other world, (laughs) i.e. It's because that's the way the traditional publishers had initially set it up. And it is slowly changing. You know, there's more and more authors who are taking like the hybrid approach. And that's why I really want to be in a place where I could do that because I think that would be really cool. (laughs) Yeah. But that's really recent. And a lot of publishers are still either a little bit behind with some stuff because they've got such good distribution to stores. They're a little bit more physical book orientated or have been in the past. Mm -hmm. And they've only recently become more ebook orientated. And, you know, I think that old mindset has also added to the separation of the two worlds yeah right but you know never know hopefully hopefully it'll change I'm an idealist and I'm (laughs) hoping everyone can be a big happy family eventually (laughs) one day one day anyways I don't want to close myself off from at the moment it's still two worlds and I would like to not close myself off from either world also side note I don't actually read ebooks so (laughs) I I'm a person who goes out and buys my books so I kind of you know like that aspect of it too and with our books when we self-publish them like that's I might be able to get a physical copy let's just go with that <laughs> unless Sarah mails oh, it to we'll me we'll make sure you get a physical yeah, copy but it's not it's not like no you know what I mean it's not the same like I can't just go out and see it somewhere if that makes any sense like it's yeah not, yeah you can't it, yeah well and again I, just, I will do my best that you can <laughs> yeah. we um, will do our best yes but it's, it's, I guess it comes from being in a country that's super isolated and far away. So I'm going to give you all these chores to do. Be like, you need to go visit this. These stores. <laughs> all right. We should probably move on. So I thought the natural way to go about talking about this publishing journey is probably to start at the very beginning, which would be, 
our very first attempts at getting When the Rain Falls published when we were teens slash young adults all the way back in the early 2000s. So I thought we could talk about, you know, why we did it, what we did, and kind of what we learned along the way about it for the future. Okay. You can start, Sarah. Well, I'll start by saying that I'm quite proud of the way we managed ourselves, to be honest. (laughs) Um, sure, the book was terrible. There's no yeah. denying that. But we put ourselves out there. We actually first sent it away in 2007, 2008, around bouts, back when it was still titled Desolate. I still cringe at that title, but I love it. <laughs> to a couple of places. And then again in 2010, we had another stab at it after sort of redoing it a little bit. Still was terrible. Not enough. <laughs> Not enough. But anyways, continue. And of course, we never got anywhere, but we never took it personally, even at that young age. And not even when we had one <laughs> comeback addressed, Dear Richard. Ah, oh, that was... <laughs> to be honest, that was almost one of my favorite ones. I know. I was considering actually reading it out. <laughs> Didn't you find it? I think I've got it on my emails. Hold on. You continue talking. I'll see okay. if I can find it. So I think in a large part, my experiences in sports, um, which was equestrian show jumping, actually taught me a lot from a young age on how to handle that kind of thing. For example, if I knocked down a rail early on in a show jumping round, I still put in my best effort because I knew it was never over until it was actually over. And I've always faced challenges like publishing the same way. So if it came back, I was just like, okay, we get up, we try again. And we are still, have still been trying again till recently. (laughs) Yes. So I have tracked down the Dear Richard email and I thought I'd share it with you because it's quite amusing. So, but in a nice way as well. So it begins, Dear Richard, thank you for your fiction submission when the rain falls. The publishing department has thoroughly considered your submission. Unfortunately, we are unable to offer you publication for your manuscript this company must be highly selective of the things we decide to publish as we receive thousands of manuscripts each year. Deciding what to publish can be so very difficult as we receive so many great stories. It is fantastic that you are writing and we encourage you to keep doing so. Please understand that the fact that we cannot publish your book is no way reflection of your manuscript. We apologize once again and wish you the best of luck in placing your manuscript elsewhere. (laughs) It's a pretty standard email that one but it's not a reflection of the value of your manuscript. Mm, that wasn't I'm a like, good manuscript. But it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. That's just a dear Richard just makes it dear and Richard. the fact oh. that it has like when the rain falls further down in the email. <laughs> they clearly like forgot to change the name. I wonder if we get to meet Richard one day. I wonder what Richard actually wrote. Yeah. Do you ever wonder that? Because clearly I do. Richard was rejected in the last email. <laughs> Richard was. Okay. Oh my gosh. Let's let's continue. Yeah. Side note, do you remember mailing in some of the manuscripts because you still had to send hard copies and having to like print it all out? And then you uh, had to wait forever. So it it was like six months. Yep. And then all it had is like a little note tucked in the front of it. (laughs) Sorry. So um, (laughs) what was your experience at that young age, Ashley? Well... To be honest, I weirdly wasn't, from what I can remember, I didn't seem to be that upset about the whole thing. I don't think either of us were. No, we kind (laughs) of were just like, meh, probably didn't think it would happen anyways. Yeah. Um, But I think it did 
make me sort of wonder about whether the book was ready to be published, if that makes any sense. I think it it did two things. It sort of like made us wonder that, but it also enmeshed within us like the desire to see it through. <laughs> even the though determin- <laughs> the determination for them to get our name right in one of the emails next time. Yeah. Even though we weren't upset about it, I think maybe that's when we first started having those dreams, right? Of eventually being published. Yeah. It's like the rejection they like made us want to try harder. We're like, we're gonna <laughs> prove you wrong. <laughs> yeah. Watch us come back in 15 years. <laughs> and also have the same luck. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so after those um initial send-offs, which were unsuccessful, but I think we learned a lot about preparing manuscripts and things to be sent away, which is a benefit, especially when you're still a teenager. I think we learned we learned a lot from going through the process, um, even if we yes. didn't get the responses that we'd hoped for. So after that, we let our manuscript sit for a really long time, <laughs> a long time. Both of us yeah. were really busy. Um, we kind of stepped away from writing for a bit. Writing during a PhD yeah. is difficult. So well, that... We were sort of learning about ourselves, developing yeah. our lives, our careers. Exactly. exactly. Anyway, so once we came back to the manuscript eventually we immediately were like oh they rejected at that time we'll probably just self-publish it then it was kind of the initial thoughts yep. um we'll we'll fix it up do as much editing as we possibly can do it you know to the highest quality we can we've tried the traditional route and it didn't work we'll you know do it submit it for self-publishing I don't know it's kind of like one of those weird things where we're like it's when the rain falls kind of like there's no way it's going to be Mm. good enough it's kind we of we didn't weird. really have faith in it but when you see yeah. our old versions you can kind of you can see why <laughs> you can see why <laughs> and I don't think it was until we'd actually done the edit like redone it done the edits and we were like oh so we're actually a lot better than we were back then this book's completely different like especially like writing wise and we were a lot better writing wise too than it was before. So then we considered submitting it to traditional publishing again while we worked on the next books in the series. Because we thought that was from a self-publishing perspective, that would be the best option to have, you know, some books in the series also done to have mm. them release in closer succession, blah, blah, blah. So we're like, we'll work on the rest of the series, but when the rainfalls is just gonna sit there. Maybe we should consider sending it away to traditional publishers again. That's kind of how it went down, right? Well, also, we had to basically make a decision. So you can't really self-publish and then change your mind and try traditional because, you know, they A, they don't want to publish something that's already been published. And if the stats are really low on your self-publishing, then you're basically kicking yourself. Yeah. You know, you're not giving yourself the best chance. And... So, you know, it made sense to try it first if we were keen to do the traditional publishing. I think my reasons are a little bit different from Ashley's. Like we've kind of discussed the reasons a little bit and I didn't really feel that we were going to be successful the second time. I'm not going to lie. I was kind of like, (laughs) we'll give this a shot. We'll see what happens. I know Ashley sort of is possibly a little bit more keen than I am for the traditional publishing, but I thought you know, we kind of owe it to each other to to try anyways. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And yeah, because I kind of thought by then I was beginning to get an idea that perhaps the genre was holding it back as well. And so yeah. it's kind of like, mm, I'm not sure people are going to go for this, but... 
it's one of those things if you don't try it you'd forever wonder what would happen if you did try it if that makes any sense yeah and I did you know note that it would give us a good time to work out the self-publishing world and how it works instead of racing in headlong and making a bunch of mistakes so I was happy to to try and then you know if by miracle it got accepted then I would be happy with that too yeah. so I wouldn't be you know upset over oh we didn't get to traditionally publish after all <laughs> or I was just as I said you know like I'm happy so long as it's published to a really decent standard I'm not really super fussed on how it gets published yeah yeah that makes sense I think yeah just one of those things where you're like if I don't try it you'll forever wonder about it and I had kind of already well as I said from this you know the intro into like this little part we were already pretty much set on the self-publishing it anyways like we had decided that's what we were going to do and then you're like well if I've got a manuscript sitting here we may as well send it away see what becomes of it Mm -hmm. Um, but we definitely have learned a lot it was definitely the right decision because we've managed to learn a lot about the self-publishing world while we were sending it away and also learned a lot about um, as I'll probably talk about like the actual preparing the manuscript and everything and sending it away and the feedback and blah 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 yeah. So I think that's been definitely beneficial anyways for in the future. So we initially started by submitting directly to publishing houses, but only a few. Only <laughs> a few. Well, there's not actually a lot to choose from because you learn very Well, we started with Australia, which is yeah. hard to get an agent with with Australia anyways. Yeah. So <laughs> and then we kind of moved to overseas publishing houses as well. But there aren't even that many that accept unsolicited manuscripts anyways, which, yeah, kind of realize that you, you know, you need an agent because they are a gatekeeper to the whole industry. But we did try just sending it to publishing houses accepting unsolicited manuscripts. In the first instance, I think a few sent us rejections. Did all of them send rejections? I can't even remember, Mm. to be honest. Like a few did. I think most we just waited the prescribed number of weeks and then just yeah. took it as a no, <laughs> Probably. <laughs> which is you quickly learn is usually what they do. So from those few that we tried, we kind of were like either we just jump back into self-publishing or we have a go at sending it to some agents. Our other books were not ready yet <laughs> at this point either. And I think we were still finding our feet a little bit as well with how we would go about self-publishing and everything. Yeah. So we decided to send it out to some agents, which was also an interesting experience because that's we didn't get that far the first time around. Well, it, I think the first time around as well, agents, I don't really know this for sure because we didn't look into it. But I remember I looked into a few and a lot of the agents only accepted at that point, as far as I could tell, only accepted like people within their country. Yes. This is ringing and- a bell. <laughs> So being in New Zealand, you know, like there's basically no literary agents in New Zealand. There may be like one or two, even recently just looking. But I imagine back then it would have been even worse. There was probably like zero literary agents in New Zealand. So that meant that for us, finding an agent was like nigh impossible (laughs) from the first time. And so, you know, when we went into it the next time, we kind of, didn't consider that initially and then we were kind of like oh look you know now it doesn't matter where in the world you are like you can still have an agent in New York or yeah you know 
Though the picking、oh. of agents was quite, there's a lot of agents out there. So you're limited in the number of publishing houses you can send unsolicited manuscripts to. But suddenly, when you look at agents, <laughs> there are so many, so many. So we ended up having to develop sort of, I guess, a system. Yes. To figure out who to send it to. System. Yeah. Do you want to go over that? Sure. So we sort of developed a system where we basically shortlisted. Each time we kind of sent batches. We sent about three or four different batches, and each time we shortlisted about eight or so agents that each of us wanted to send it to. And then I'd send the query letter that we'd written, along with some of them synopses. Some of them, you know, required a certain amount of sample pages. Others wanted the first chapter. Others wanted the first three chapters, so I had like a bunch of different documents, <laughs> depending on which one. Yeah, and we sent those out in batches, and then I had like a spreadsheet which had basically the the date that each one was sent into who, and for each company or or agent, how long if they provided like a guideline on how long that it was going to take. For them to get back to us, and that would be kind of noted in that information. And then there was also, you know, like a yes/no column, which quickly got filled up with no's. And, <laughs>、yeah. and then because that I'd noted down the date, then we decided that basically if we hadn't heard back for, from any particular agent within twelve weeks, then that would automatically go into the no column, and we just forgot about it, moved on. Yeah, because <laughs> some of、yeah. them don't provide you with. Guidelines on how soon to expect, and some of them didn't get back to us for quite a few months. When it was like, yeah, I'm very sorry, and I'm like, don't worry, we've already written you off. Yeah, <laughs> it's been、like、six it. months. <laughs> You're like, I even forgot I sent it to you almost because we'd had you as a no so long. It's like I presumed, you know, if you. Liked the book, you would have been in contact sooner. So yeah, yeah, you would hope so. But anyways, so that was our process. Yes, and I guess I don't know if we're the right people to say what kind of agents to look because they all accept different things. You can't just send it to any old agent. You have to go for ones that represent the style of books that you want. So we had a lot of researching to see, you know, who we thought would fit with our. Type of book, and then tailoring each letter to suit, I guess, what we thought they would like about it.、Mm-hmm. I probably will mention that. So we sent it out to about forty-eight agents, I think, in total.、Yeah. Over how many months would you say? Nine months, probably about that.、Oh. Yeah, over nine months and a few batches. All of the responses were no's. Which is kind of what we were expecting, and that's okay. I don't know. I wasn't didn't have high hopes for it, so the no's were more. Expected, if that makes any sense. I did have like every time I sent it out, I had hopes, but I didn't have any expectations. If that makes sense, so like、yeah. I was hopeful、yeah. without expectations. Yeah, you're like maybe this time, <laughs> maybe this time it'll work, and then you're like, no, <laughs> okay, <laughs> whatever. So a lot of the responses that we got. Well, were no responses, and by no responses, I'm gonna clarify that a lot of them were just, you know, we've received your submission. If you do not hear anything from us in 12 weeks, assume that it is a no. So I counted those、yeah. as no responses. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I think just over half of them were like that. There were a few that just didn't even acknowledge receiving it and never responded. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and you're like, okay, be that way. It's like not hard to have an auto email, but whatever. 
each to their own. We did have, well, I'll say a you quickly learn that it's hard to tell if things are auto responses or not. Some are super obvious, but some are slightly more ambiguous. You mean like form emails here? Yes, yeah, so we had about 20, I guess, I'm going to go with auto slash semi not auto rejection letters, which they, I know a lot of people say it's like, you know, a bit soul crushing going through the process, but I didn't find them that bad. You know, they're just fairly generic along the lines of, I didn't connect with the pages, but please continue to pursue representation or something along those lines. Various, like literally 19 different ways of saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Although some of them, I think, you know, it is really hard to tell. There were a couple of them, which I did wonder whether they were more personalized. Yeah. And mainly because of just the way they were structured, they felt like they cared more. (laughs) (laughs) At least we like to think they cared more. (laughs) I'd I'd like to think they all cared. They just, you know, have a limited amount of time. So (laughs) yeah, but it is what it is, I guess. You know, yeah, I think some of them, to be honest, they did give me hope rather than crushed me. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think any crushed me. Because no. they're fairly generic and none of them had anything, I don't know if they generally do criticize, I don't know, because this is only the emails that we've received, which were literally, I didn't connect with the pages. It's a subject of business. I encourage you to yeah look for representation elsewhere. So you're kind of like, I don't know, maybe they have more than one auto-rejection and they like choose <laughs> what one they send you. I don't know. By then I was kind of beginning to form a fairly strong opinion and I still do have this opinion as you've heard me state (laughs) several different podcast episodes that it's down to genre and this has been further cemented by an email that I've had recently so I've started sending away my own novel my teen psych thriller to agents and it's quite interesting because now I'm sending to like the well some of them to the same agents that we sent when the brain falls to so I can now like compare (laughs) and be like is this a form response or is this not (laughs) and I had a really encouraging one just this week which basically confirmed for me that when the rain falls is a genre problem (laughs) yeah and that the publishing industry is not interested in a modern war story with political twists and elements to it (laughs) yeah (laughs) because the writing of my my own book is not like it's it's a similar quality to the when the rain falls I would say would you not Ashley yeah I think so (laughs) it's similar possibly when the rain falls beginning is even stronger and yeah you know while I didn't get a positive response from this person the email itself came off as very positive and she even went so far to say I have no doubt you will succeed with you know I don't remember which is the name of my book and compared to the when the rain falls email from her which was much shorter (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was just very interesting because that young adult psychological thrillers are more in vogue right now so I wasn't sort of surprised that it had garnered a more positive response already But yeah, it just goes to show the genre can be the biggest hurdle. Yeah, and it's not really something you can change. So if we're kind of (laughs) stuck with our genre. Have to go where your your heart leads in writing, I think. Yeah, I think so too. So I guess maybe we can go over our 
overall feelings, takeaways from our traditional publishing experiences this far. So I know people always say that you need to have quite a thick skin when you're a writer, um, especially when you're submitting to agents and publishers. And I honestly, I didn't find our experience that disheartening. I don't know if that's because I've been conditioned a little bit because of my job in academia where we've submitted I actually had a really brutal one last week that was <laughs> honestly more soul crushing than I've ever experienced in our writing um, our creative writing my gosh it was guy had a bad day <laughs> and he was just like pretty much was like your work is nonsense and I'm like oh, okay calm down buddy <laughs> thanks um, for that anyways thanks for that uh, anyway so I think um so when you submit articles to an academia you choose a journal your paper then goes to an editor who sends it out to some reviewers and it's usually two reviewers and they basically give a yes or a no to whether all these different categories about how they think your research is and then they provide a referee's report which is pretty much three pages of either being like yes I like your article or I very much do not like it and these are (laughs) three pages of why I hate it so I've developed quite a thick skin from that and I was I don't know what I was expecting from sending it off to agents but I I guess I was kind of expecting a toned back version of that and it ended up being nothing like that so (laughs) it wasn't as uh, as disheartening as I thought it was going to be or traumatic as I thought it was going to be and I'm also well aware that publishers and rea- uh, reagents, oh my God. <laughs> Stuck in chemistry now. Stuck in chemistry. That publishers and agents, you know, this is their living and this is their livelihood. So the work that they choose to represent literally pays them their salary. So I totally understand that they need to be incredibly selective about what they choose and that they need to take on what they think will sell on the mass market. So I'm... I'm okay. I understand it. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know, it's a little disappointing, but I am excited about self-publishing our book as well. I'm looking forward to, you know, the, I guess, control that we're going to have with what we get to do. Yeah. Um, so what do you think? Well, I've kind of mentioned it already is that I don't take it personally because for the same reasons that Ashley just mentioned, I realized that both publishers and agents are running their own businesses And they are always going to go for the genres and books that they know to be sellable with the least amount of work put and getting them to that point. Risk taking in business definitely isn't a good thing. You know, sometimes it can pay off and have rewards, but generally speaking, unless you have a certain amount of confidence in the outcome of that risk taking, it does not make sense to take risks. And if you do take a risk, you must be extremely selective. And from the agents and publishers' perspectives, I would call our novel When the Rain Falls risky. Yeah, definitely. As I've said, you know, a modern day war story with strong political elements. There is a market there, but it could also be quite polarizing, I feel. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So, you know, I think that would probably put a number of people off for that reason. But yeah, so I kind of came out of it with a similar kind of mindset of, okay, it didn't work. Let's just move on, self-publish. But yeah, I'm I'm excited about the self-publishing too. Me too. It's going to be a lot of hard work and I recognize that side of it. Yeah, but I think it's the right place for that series. I think self-publishing is the right avenue for that. Whether future books and different series, not that series, um, is another question. I have a feeling we'll probably attempt like... It's kind of going to be a part of our process, if that makes any sense. Like we 
give it a go traditionally publishing kind of see how it floats and then decide from there what we do with future books I think yeah I mean I think for historical fiction it might make sense to at least try because I did notice that like when we're looking for agents and stuff there is a lot that's wanting historical fiction too so you know that's one interesting thing about looking up agents is that you begin to see the genres that are kind of hot sellers and stuff and the, the yeah. ones that everyone wants so yeah I know historical fiction's a big popular genre at the moment so hopefully give it a go right see what happens you never know yeah so yeah we basically ran on to that last question with that <laughs> perfect anything else you want to add not really no <laughs> okay cool so yeah, hopefully I don't know if you will have gained anything from this episode or not about our traditional publishing journey but hopefully hopefully you have hopefully we haven't polarized too many people <laughs> yeah with our opinions but I don't think so yeah I think it's a fairly probably a fairly standard journey and hopefully someone can either you know relate or maybe you've had a different experience too. And maybe you can let us know about how that was for you. We'd love to hear about people's journeys. Yeah. Should we move on to mistakes of the month? Yes, we shall. <laughs> Do you want to go first? Or sure. Me? I've yep, got a go few first. this month. Oh, cool. For a change. <laughs> so this one, I'll just read it out and then I'll explain why it's funny. Because it's not, it's not obviously a problem, but it is a little bit funny. But you came all the way here, he said, his eyebrows rising into his thick hairline. Not by horse, Simon said. Of course, most of your journey would have been by sea, XXX commented. Because at that point, I did not have a name for this character. <laughs> but it was more when I read it over, I was like, oh no, I've named horse with, I've rhymed it with, of course. <laughs> not by horse, Simon said. Of course. <laughs> That's funny. I was like, that has to change. I don't like rhyming things, especially <laughs> horse with course. Like, it's funny. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> okay, next one. I think this is from my current. Oh no, this is from the last chapter. His words were icy cold, spoken with a gravity that Simon prickled down Simon's spine. It's one of those words where you haven't quite decided. Um, no, yeah. The order of words. And then they're like, no, if we'll just get it wrong. Okay. And this one was one from our short story, which we always, when we were doing the When the Rain Falls series, we've had this issue where we mistype soldier quite a lot. <laughs> and it always becomes solider. And so it's kind of like a running joke with me and Ashley yeah. now. And this one just made me laugh. These days, my job felt more like a political minefield and less like the solider life I had become accustomed to. <laughs> The solider life. Solider life. Sounds like he's very grounded in his life. The solider life. It sounds like <laughs> sounds like gangster life, except like a different version. Solider <laughs> life. Yeah, it does. And this one was from my most recent chapter. And this, I really liked this one. The man at the front beeped as he went through the scanner. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he just walks through. He's like, beep, beep. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. I know. I was like, it's amazing. The man isn't beeping. The, scanner. <laughs> the man at the front beeped. The man beeped. That made me laugh. And then I had to go in and obviously change it to the scanner beeped as the man walked through. Uh, Good. Uh, but yes, what were your mistakes this month, Ashley? I don't have tons of good ones, but I've put a few in anyways. So the first one was just eventually he responsed. 
instead of eventually he responded. Sounds um, like a I new actually, word. <laughs> I know. I think I should use it. I quite, I was like, responsed. No, that's not a word. <laughs> responded. But then I was like, responsed could work, you know? It was like, what was my other one? Grubbled. Yeah. <laughs> Another Making new word. An entire new language. Mm-hmm. Ashley mm-hmm. language. Ashley language. Grubbled. All right, my next one is, despite the urge he had to yell at Corantidus and put him in his face, Leontiades knew <sighs> that he had to appear resilient in front of the others. So it's supposed to be put him in his place. <laughs> No, put him in his face. face. <laughs> Sounds like, you know, when you're like, are intimidating, like go right up to someone's face. Like, put him in his face. Oh, my next one's similar to Sarah's where I couldn't quite decide where the words should be. So here we go. And beyond, she whispered, nodding discreetly in the direction of a few men dressed in brightly long, brightly colored robes. <laughs> it's a very strange sentence in general to like be yes. out of context. Yes. <laughs> Like, like she's about space or something i don't know i have never <laughs> i've never read this chapter yet so to me it's just like to infinity and beyond she whispered yes yeah, the sense i get from it and besides amusing. from the brightly long brightly colored brightly long. yeah great sentence it's funny i think i changed it at the end <laughs> and i feel like i want to check oh no i didn't i didn't change it it's oh, it makes sense though in context <laughs> Of course, yeah. That's really funny. We also had someone send in a Mistakes of the Month, which I'm quite excited to read out. (laughs) I'm going to read out just exactly what this person has sent us. So hopefully everyone else enjoys it as much as I did when I received it. Hi, Ashley and Sarah. I've written in once before. I had the colleague who confused gravitate with gyrate. Makes me laugh. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, last week I asked myself out loud how to spell affluent. And the same colleague pops up and spells out E-L-E-P-H-A-N-T. I don't know if I should be more worried that she didn't know the word affluent or that she thought I couldn't spell elephant. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Ah, excellent. Elephant. (laughs) <laughs> elephant versus affluent very different words i'd like to think that she just heard wrong but her track record is against her <laughs> <laughs> well yes gravitate and gyre surely she didn't surely she didn't think elephant was the word affluent right like from past history we've got gravitate and gyrate it's not too far of a stretch for affluent and elephant they're closer in sounding so that's true that's true very different though very different very different i'm sure i'm sure it was just a heard her wrong hopefully anyways we should round this up so there are still some spots left on our author spotlight section if you want to apply for that you can go to our website at lindersoncreations.com hover your mouse over the podcast and the main menu and it'll come down with a dropout menu where you can click on be featured on dear writer And next time on Dear Writer, it's our next culture and creativity episode where we will talk about how collaboration can help inspire creativity. A particular passion of ours, I guess, being (laughs) co-writers, collaborators, whichever one you want to (laughs) term. Yes. So if you'd like to know more about us and our writing projects, you can visit us at lindersoncreations.com or contact us on Facebook or Instagram, also with the handle Lindison Creations. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, Tell your friends and we'll be back next week. Happy writing, everyone.